0: Welcome back to the Align Motherflippin' podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander, and this is a place that we bring together some of the world's leading experts in all things health and wellness. This conversation was with my friend Rafael Lovato Jr. He is an absolute legend in the world of mixed martial arts, in the world of jujitsu. He is a multi-time world champion in both gi and no gi. He has a undefeated record in MMA of 12 and 0. And then he had an abrupt stop to a, a brain condition. Cerebral cavernoma. Really interesting life In this conversation We juxtapose Morhei Yoshiba Or Uishiba I think is how you might say his name He's the founder of Aikido With the modern version Of what would be considered A master of the craft of martial arts Being Lovato Mr. Lovato And go through the book Art of Peace together Which I think is pretty exciting To get to have the opportunity To get to bring together The, the mind of a master of the old Being Yoshiba Founder of Aikido with a present day living legend in the space of mixed martial arts and martial arts in general. So really exciting stuff. If you are interested in learning some more movement based practices. We're getting to see some experiences I had with Lovato before this conversation. Jump over to the YouTube page at Align Podcast. On there you can find a little mini workout that I went through with Lovato or he went through with me rather and we get through mobilization of the hips, get through mobilization of the knees, the ankles, opening up some space around the spine and just it's like the the go-to pre-workout, pre-training blow that I'd recommend for anybody. So jump over to the YouTube page at Align Podcast and now will be up there today we also did a post together on the instagram so you can jump over and check out the online podcast page and the rafael lovato jr page that's it that's all thanks for reviews thanks for sharing this i hope that it is supportive for your mind supportive for your body and that's it let's get to it what will the the rafael lovato jr book be
1: it's a bit of obviously me sharing my story um with like uh The lessons that I've learned and how I applied them to help me prevail and kind of overcome a lot of obstacles, like being an American kid from Oklahoma and reaching world champion status in jujitsu with no without a black belt at home where I lived, you know, I'm from Oklahoma. A lot of people think I'm Brazilian. And then a lot of people think I'm I, I lived in California or whatever, but I always traveled. I always had to travel, learn whatever I could and then go back home. Um, share it with my with my father and we would work together and we would just kind of be by ourselves, And until the next time we could get access to somebody. And I started going to Brazil when I was 16 to compete at the world championships there. And I was never a world champion at the lower belts. So I lost over and over and over again, right? I, I, it's not like I was a world champion, blue, purple, brown belt, and everything looked great to become a black belt world champion. I lost at all the lower belts, um, but I still
0: became a black belt world champion. And so- that's like a, was, a Michael Jordan story. I mean, he he like got cut from the high school basketball team. I think it's everyone's story.
1: Everyone's story. Everyone that achieves a a major level of success in their craft or in their business, you know, entrepreneurs, athletes, anyone that really follows their passion and wants to go all in um, to reach the pinnacle and, you know, make their impact, make their mark. I think there's, there's always a point at which they hit this, this moment where they have to decide, you know, are are they going to go all in? or are they going to quit at the first the first temporary failure or the first obstacle or whatever the case may be and uh, it's everyone's story you know how many crazy businesses out there you know companies out there today that are worth millions or billions of dollars that had a point where they almost went bankrupt and completely you know did not make it but the person didn't give up you know? And, and that's just been kind of the story of my martial arts journey and career in many different ways. And then, um, everything that happened with my MMA career and the, the brain condition that we discovered right before my title fight and all that.
0: That was in Bellator.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so that was a big, a big drama, a big, you know, adversity that I, that I had to you deal had a, with
0: a cerebral cavernoma. Yes. Kind of like a blood clot in the a brain in a way, but not exactly. So
1: it's a, it's a condition. It's like a disease. Um, basically, uh, my my cavernoma is genetic. So um, I was born with it and I've had it my whole life, uh, but I didn't know. Um, I've never had any issues, any symptoms. I, I really don't even get headaches, but um, no, I've never been knocked out and and never had a reason to get my brain checked. And every place that I had fought at prior to that title fight, a brain scan was not required to be approved to fight it was not required for me in, in the states that i fought in the only two states in the u.s that require it is california and new york you have to get a brain scan done before they approve you to fight and since i never fought in those places i never had to get a brain scan done i never been knocked out never had a concussion never had a reason to say hey i should go get my brain checked you know and then for that title fight it took place in london in europe they require you to get a brain scan done and so 6 weeks before my fight right when i'm in the middle of you know camp and the main part of camp you know the, the last month leading up into when we're about to travel out to fight i get my brain scan done and the guy the guy the radiologist or whatever he's like hey there's a problem are you okay i'm like what what are you talking about he's like yeah uh, you're a fighter you need to pick another another line of work i mean he's like just basically telling me so bluntly no sugar coating or anything i'm like what are you talking about i'm fine he's like no come here look at this he pulls me back and shows me the the screen with my images and he's like yeah you see all this i'm like yeah that's my brain he's like yeah you shouldn't be fighting so i'm like so you won't sign my my paper <laughs> that says i'm okay and he's like no and you need to go see a doctor asap well i'm like whoa all right really? You know, I, I just couldn't believe it. And he was like, yeah, you know what? I don't even know what's going on. I want to look at this overnight. Come back tomorrow. I'll give you your disc and all that. And like, okay. And I'm supposed to fly to Brazil in two days to go to phase two of my camp. Um, the hard part, the real hard part. And uh, I go back the next day, pick up the the CD with the scans. And he's like, yeah, I did some research and I'm pretty sure this is what you got or what you have, and it's called cavernoma. And I'm like, okay, but I'm okay to fight, you know? And he's like, no, you need to go see a doctor. So I end up getting hit with that news. And the next day I fly to Brazil and I'm just like Googling and trying to understand what cavernoma is. And basically it's a condition where you grow these extra blood vessels in your brain and they tend to wrap up like vines, kind of group up to where you have a collection and then they look like spots. In your brain and inside that collection is the tendency for blood to leak or ooze and uh, if they're really bad in a in a big collection then they can bleed more and as that blood builds up you know you can hemorrhage and and bad things happen seizures coma loss of ability to control one side of your body vision problems and in worst case scenario even death And usually people don't have any idea they have it until something happens, right? Because you have no reason to get your brain checked out until there's a problem that they can't figure out. And then they're like, "Uh, maybe we should look at your brain, you know? And so it's something that is actually quite common, but people don't know that they have it until they get, until it's almost too late. Like there's a reason. And then maybe they have to have an emergency brain surgery and they go in and pull it out. Yeah. So is you're still in there? Oh yeah, they're in there. Oh, you I never have got them. the surgery? No, they, there's no, no point in doing brain oh, surgery okay. unless you have symptoms or issues. And that's right. the whole, that was the whole like, um, controversy or conflict or whatever is the fact that I have no symptoms. I'm completely healthy. I've never had any problem. Like I said, I don't even get headaches. There's no vision, no, nothing, nothing to make me think I have an issue and I've been getting hit in my head my whole life, right? I grew up doing martial arts. I had nine fights prior to that title fight. And yeah, so I have no issues and they would never do brain surgery unless you actually have a problem that they need to go in there and pull it out. They wouldn't recommend doing surgery and there's no treatment. The only treatment is to remove the thing when it becomes a problem. And I have multiple locations but only one of which is relatively good size and it's in a very safe location. And what happened was I spent the next four weeks of camp going to see doctors and trying to find somebody who would basically say, yes, you're okay to fight. Everyone was saying no over and over and over and over again until I found a real specialist that deals with cavernoma that like really understands that condition has actually done surgeries where they pulled out cavernoma and has dealt with cavernoma patients. And, and he was like, yeah, keep fighting. You're fine until it becomes a, an issue you know, then we'll do something about it. We'll go in there and 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 do the surgery, but you're going to have to get scans for the rest of your life. So just get a scan right before the fight, get a scan right after the fight. We're going to stay on top of it, see if anything changes. And if it does, we'll be ready. But uh, until it's actually affecting your life, you shouldn't change your life. You shouldn't change what you do. Mm. And so finally, I got a letter. I got a doctor that said, yes, you're okay to fight. And the other thing is there's no real evidence that proves or backs up the hypothesis that getting hit in the head is going to make it worse. It, it's just there and it's just growing and it's just happening. And it could change at any point in time. Getting hit in the head isn't necessarily going to speed up the process or or make things any, any worse than what they already are. And so he wrote the letter. I sent it in. Finally, two weeks before the fight, I got approved to fight. And so I spent the month, that month right there, trying to first understand my health, my condition, and wonder if you know, am I going to hurt myself? Is this is this a smart thing? Am I just, you know, every time I'm getting hit in the head when I'm sparring, I was like second guessing my whole livelihood. Like, should I just stop? Is this bad? Because I didn't know too much about the condition yet. And then I just had to like first kind of grow to accept that and come to a place where I said, look, no matter what, I have to do this fight. This is the world championship. The The person that I was fighting as a many time world champion, who's considered like one of the best of all times in my weight class. You know so that was like the the pinnacle challenge of my martial arts life was that fight. And I knew I came to a place where I said I have to do whatever I can to do this fight. And so I accepted the the possible medical risks that exist. I, I accepted, I said, look, I just want to do this fight. Give me this one last fight. I can't stop now. I've worked my whole life for this. And then when I found the doctor that said yes. Now I'm dealing with, okay, are they going to approve me? And I send everything in, and I had to wait two more weeks before they finally would approve me to fight. So then there's all this question, of like, am I training this hard for no reason? You know, I'm, I'm in camp training for a world title fight. I don't even know if it's going to happen. And then finally, two weeks before the fight, I got the email that said, you were approved to fight. And I'll never forget just celebrating with my team and just, like, crying. I mean, I cried, like, every day in this camp. It was <laughs> – on paper, it was the worst camp I had ever because I was just – so emotional and stressed and everything was up in the air then we got approved and then it was like okay it's destiny i'm gonna win this fight because of what i went through to get to the fight was already the hardest fight of my life and that was going to be my advantage that was going to be the reason why i was going to win because i knew exactly what i was there for and i knew that i wanted it more than my opponent and that's how it played out basically it, it came down to the last round and and who wants it more? Who digs deep? Who has the heart, the will, the desire? And I got that last round, and that was my best round. I dominated that round. It was I won the first two. He won the third and the fourth. And last round, best round.
0: Nice. Yeah. The uh, I think it, it's an interesting thing in, in culture something that humans modern Western humans lack. Perhaps many of us would be having some degree of uh, like you call it like a rite of passage. Very common in in many cultures. Put you mm-hmm. your hands into a, a glove of bees while they sting you, and you go through the pain. Or mm-hmm. you you hang from some hooks on your back, or you starve yourself, and you dance around a tree, or you know whatever the thing is. There's some point in a person's life where they go through this this time where it's kind of like kind of like maybe coming to terms with your own temporality mm-hmm. of yourself, like your own death mm-hmm. at some age, like die before you die. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting as a a fighter, which I am not but I have so much like appreciation for people who who are. You kind of get to go through that in a way. Like yeah, that, but ex- you, that You've, you've trained
1: Jujitsu, you've done martial arts, you know, you kind of, every time you tap is a little bit of acceptance that death was near, so to speak. You know, course, if, yeah. you're, if you're in a strangle, a choke and you are uh, you feel the blood uh, slowing down to your brain, you're starting to go out, you're getting lightheaded. And uh, when you tap, it's a bit of an acceptance that, hey, you, you could have killed me right there or you could have, you know, broken my limb. And if your arm is broken, how are you gonna continue fighting if yep. you can't use that arm
0: or your leg or whatever? But there's something different when it's a, when it's the real thing.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure. But jujitsu is a, this is why I love jujitsu so much because you can literally reach that point yeah. and tap and be okay to go again and at least experience in a very safe way. Not everyone wants to get hit in the face and that's fine. I understand that. For me, growing up as a martial artist, I knew that at some point I had to experience the ultimate combat challenge which is getting locked inside the cage with another man and putting your skills versus their skills and see who's who's better. Yeah. You know, how how do I react under that pressure? How do I perform? How do I execute? How do I survive and also
0: dominate? In those scenari- scenarios, do you have this the sensation? I would imagine there's probably some like deep mammalian reptilian part that feels like the potential of death exists. Yes, does that switch?
1: Uh, I mean, you you don't know at the end of the night if you're. If and you're, the reality if is, it, is it does back, exist. If so. you're going back to the hotel and you're celebrating, or are you going to be taking a ride in an ambulance to the hospital and dealing with you know some some surgeries or whatever the case may be? Yeah, you don't know. What's gonna happen? You could be the highlight reel knockout on ESPN Top 10 at the end of the night. You know what I mean? Where international people, you go viral for getting knocked out in a, in a terrible way and all your friends and family see around the world and it's like, that's heavy, that's heavy. And what's, um, what's interesting is I grew to actually love that a little bit. Um, of course, during camp, especially in my first couple of fights, when it was still so new and so that you know you fear the unknown i was a bit stressed i was on edge i was a little more moody in camp but uh when fight night came i always did a really good job since fight number one of letting go you have to let go you know the risk is there you know that it's going to be chaotic you can't predict right it's impossible to predict and I'm a, I'm a controlling person. I'm very structured. I like to, you know, have my day and, and everything planned out. I like to have a plan at all times. And this is where I felt it was very good for me because I got more in tune with just being able to let go and trust my abilities, trust my training, trust and have faith in those that were around me. And that's why I was very grateful. And, and I think that it worked out perfectly for me that I waited until I was 30 before I made the transition to MMA. So I'm already surrounded by people that had been with me for a decade plus. I knew exactly who I was. I knew the people that would that I would take on that challenge with me. And we were very close, very connected. The energy was just right. And when fight night came, I could just look around. I see my dad, you know, my, my first teacher, my my father, my first coach. I see my brothers, Shanji, one of them. He was in my corner for every fight. My Muay Thai coach, who's my brother as well you know, we trained together for over 10 years by the time I was fighting. And he's also one of my black belts. He's one of my students. And my wrestling coach, who's also one of my black belts, one of my students and I'm his student. So we all had this teacher-student relationship with each other. And this basically this powerful mastermind, you know, that it wasn't like I had a coach here who was a coach for this and a coach over here who was a coach for this. And they had no relationship with each other. And no one, it's like, who has coaches in their corner that are also their students? And so I had a very special team, a very special team, a family. And when, when the fight night came and I could look and I could see these guys by my side and I just like, man, I have the most incredible martial artists, the most incredible people surrounded by love and inspiration. And it's like, I'm ready. I'm as ready as I could ever be. I know I did everything right. You know, I was disciplined. I showed up every day, gave my best. Now it's time to just let it go and be. Yep. I know that in every situation I'm prepared, just go. And I was very calm, very calm on fight night, which is interesting because in jujitsu, that controlling person that I am likes to have a plan for every scenario. In jujitsu, I can attempt to predict. I can mm-hmm. attempt to try to be in control at all time, at all times. And sometimes I overthink in jujitsu and I can uh, almost hold myself back a little bit. Um and then in MMA, I realized how to let go. I found how to let go and say, okay, I don't know what's going to happen. I might get rocked. I might get hurt. I might get dropped. I might not be able to take him down. I might, you know, I might lose position, whatever the case may be. We could go for 30, this, if I could last 30 seconds or it could last 15 minutes or more. Uh, you never know. And And I just, okay, I can't try to predict this. There's too many variables. Let it go. Let it be. And I was very calm and I grew to love that and i and i also just loved being with my guys you know each one of these guys they're all masters of their craft and they all have life they have business they have family and so you know everyone's schedules are pretty crazy and to get all those guys together like that i mean i joke about it it basically takes three things either someone's getting married <laughs> or the you know the sad side of it would be like a funeral or someone's sick, or something like that. Or there's a fight, right? There's a fight. That's what's going to make everyone clear out their schedule and say, I'm going to be there for you. And uh, they were all there for me every time. And that's what I missed the most, to be honest, When, when things were ending with everything with the commission, not wanting me to fight anymore and all that. The part that I was most sad about is now after reaching that world champion status, I didn't have the opportunity to to celebrate that with them, you know, because they worked so hard too. They were with me the whole way and I wanted to put them up and and show the world that these are my world champion coaches and teachers and just enjoy all the perks of getting to that level and headlining arenas and, you know, obviously the financial compensation that we all deserved was about to come <laughs> being a world champion and then boom, they ended it. And all of a sudden now, we haven't all been together since. You know, we it's it's hard. Of course, there was a pandemic that got put in there too. But I, I miss those times. I cherish those times. Those are actually just being in camp and hanging with my guys, man, and, and working and being on a mission together. Like the journey really is the best part, you know, in anything. Like the the climb up is is sweeter and and more special than actually achieving whatever it is, you know, who you become and the experience and the memories along the way is the real reward over winning something or achieving something or making this much money or whatever. It's what you had to go through on the way and who you did it with. That's the, that's the best part.
0: I wanna take a moment and discuss one of my absolute favorite pre-workout beverages that is Red Juice from Organify Red Juice contains three vital ingredients, red beet, cordyceps, and rhodiola. If you're interested in getting a, a sick pump, You want your muscles to look kind of more awesome after working out, be more vascular. That's a product of having better circulation. Red beet is the way to do it. Cordyceps mushrooms is fantastic for energy levels. Rhodiola is a great adaptogenic herb. So the combination of the three of these guys, I think is the perfect blend for a pre-workout. Totally natural, totally delicious, and a great thing to add into your water. You get yourself. A 20% discount just by going over to Organifi.com slash align that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash align. If this stuff does not Knock your socks off if you don't feel more well circulated, you don't feel more cognitively clear, you don't feel more recovered from your workouts, then they have a hundred percent money back guarantee. So, jump over to Organifi, O R G A N I F I dot com forward slash align for twenty percent discount off of your own red juice i also want to take a moment and talk about a vital mineral that is massively supportive for your sleep and muscular recovery and that is magnesium the reason that i highly recommend anyone takes a magnesium supplement is because it's largely deficient in modern day soil so most of us even if we're eating foods that would typically contain magnesium um, those foods will be typically more deficient than they were historically my absolute Hands down go to favorite magnesium supplement is from biooptimizers, is referred to as mag breakthrough. It contains all seven different forms of magnesium. Oftentimes you get magnesium supplements and they only contain one or two or a couple or a few. This has got all the magnesium that you're gonna need and uh money back guarantee. So if you do not get better sleep, if you don't feel like you have better muscle recovery, that you do not generally feel better after taking the supplement, get your money back. No questions asked. And that's it. That's all. So you can go over to magbreakthrough.com forward slash align podcast for a 20% discount. That is M A G B R E A K T H R O U G H dot com forward slash align podcast get yourself a discount on that stuff improve your sleep quality and repair those sweet sexy supple muscles of yours before we started i mentioned i had the idea of going through there's a book called the art of peace by the founder of aikido Morihei hushiba and I, the way that you speak and think about martial arts and life and, and such reminds me a lot of him mm-hmm. in a way so if you're open to it i know that you are because i already asked you I have a handful of quotes that uh-huh. I grabbed out of that and because you were like you are you know the quintessential modern day martial artist like you're a real martial artist which is an interesting thing. Do you identify as I am a martial artist? I do. do I you do identify as I, anything I'd else? I like
1: to be I'm definitely more on the artist side than a than a fighter. I don't consider myself a fighter. I never I've never been into a fight. The only fights I've had in my life are the 10 professional fights that you can see in my mma record i never got into a fight in real life that was another part of the reason why i wanted to to fight in the cage because yeah I, I had never experienced what it was like to actually hit someone with my hand with the intent of hurting them
0: yeah. you know what do you learn from that
1: i mean even in mma it's not like i had any aggression or any violent like like i wanted to hurt my opponent i didn't want to hurt them necessarily i was willing to hurt them in order to get the job done you know, and not, not let them hurt me. Right. Yeah. But I, I didn't operate from a sense of anger one bit where I think some people do, like there are fighters out there, guys that fight in MMA or boxing or whatever case may be that they really want to, they want to hurt their opponent. They want to, you know, maybe their, their past, their upbringing, whatever the case may be, they have a more aggressiveness and, yeah. and that's fine. It's, a it, it we're all different and maybe you need to put that in your head a little bit to get yourself to perform on that stage, but that's not me. I'm I'm very much a martial artist. I just I'm focused on my movements, my techniques, and I just want to perform in a most in the most clean and efficient way possible. I never went out there to stand and bang, you know what I mean? Like that style where they just want to kind of fight maybe for the fans and be exciting and just you know for me it was like how can i efficiently and and cleanly do damage not receive damage and in this fight as quickly as possible and of course that that's jujitsu that the efficiency uh the search of efficient efficiency in jujitsu is is insane yeah every detail inch the way this to that to whatever
0: and that can be the case in, in life in general. That can be the case in. Yeah. In every How do you get step, more efficient in life? Martial that martial arts take. and combat is. You're, is stand, life. you're standing inside of a bank. There's yeah. more or less efficient ways to be in that standing position. Exactly. You're having a conversation with somebody. There's a lot. There's about a, a million things that you or I could do to each other to like turn the other one off mm-hmm. or anyone, you know, your, your, your wife, business thing or whatever. And then there's a, a much smaller window of things that we can do to actually, you know, find greater connection right you know and that's yeah in that case it's kind of the inverse where you know you're not trying to to submit a person but it's like there's there's ways to be more effective in every aspect mm-hmm. of our life and that's something that that you get to physically learn with jiu jitsu which I yeah. think is really interesting and,
1: and mentally and spiritually as well you know you have to be present you have to be in the moment you have to be you have to clear your mind of your that's why people fall in love with martial arts and jiu jitsu especially because when they're rolling and they're training You know, you have someone else here that's maybe bigger, stronger than you, or at least the same size. Maybe they're even smaller, whatever, but they have their physical abilities. They have their technical abilities, their game, and they're trying to perform onto you what is going to be the checkmate position. So this is where it's a physical game of chess. And while we're moving, I need to be aware of the movements you're trying to do and to try to decipher your game and how I'm going to defeat what you wanna do or at least neutralize what you wanna do and then look to perform my own techniques and my own positions. And if I'm lost and thinking about whatever else and I'm not paying attention, you're gonna do what you wanna to do to me. Yeah. And then if you get ahead of me and I react in an emotional way and I get frustrated and upset and I, I start using more strength and and emotion, just raw like anger, that's gonna make me make more mistakes. Because I'm still not thinking. Yeah. I'm just reacting off emotion. And that will also make me more tired. And once you get more tired than your opponent, it's very hard to come back. Yeah. And so you learn to be present. You learn to be present with yourself and connect to another person in a deeper way. That's why after a great role, you just want to hug it out with the guy. You're just like, man great stuff. Like you, I I felt what you were trying to do. I could feel your thoughts, your, your emotion, your, you know, and everything. And maybe they didn't give up when they could have given up. And it's like, man, respect. I, I felt that like great role. That was awesome. And, and you get this bond that's so special and you're, you're literally, you know, sweating and you're working hard, you know? And, and then when you're fighting with your, your brothers too, and then you throw in like going on that, like, mission together where maybe there's tears of happiness there's tears of sadness you know you just grow so close to your martial arts brothers and sisters you know and like i said the very end of it you learn to be present and you have to be in the moment at all times and this is like where we're having a conversation right now i'm in the moment of this conversation and you know you, you you can dig a little deeper i think you get more spiritual when you're really a martial artist versus a fighter and, uh, you know, you look in the person's eyes. I want to know what you're thinking, what you're feeling. You know, it's kind of the normal thing where you get become very in tune with that.
0: Yeah, it's so interesting. The connections or the congruencies with that and like any conversation, especially, I mean, that's why I think people like to be around people who challenge them intellectually or maybe emotionally. Like that's like a relationship that's maybe actually starting to push you against your boundaries. It allows mm-hmm. you to grow. Mm-hmm. Those are the people you want to keep around. Yeah. You know, is whereas if you are, you know, you you are are doing like twelfth grade math and you're hanging out with someone that does like sixth grade math, it's fine, it's great to be in that teacher role, but eventually you're gonna to want to find someone to actually be able to to challenge you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's such an interesting thing with the, the, the martial arts stuff. It's like it really that like it's it seamlessly connects with life.
1: Yes. And and the real martial artists never Hits a point at which they say, "Okay, I, I know it all." Like they're they're a forever student. We're all we're we're still white belts. Yeah. You're a forever white belt. That's what a black belt is. Someone that just kept showing up, kept learning, and eventually you're going to get that black belt. But when you do, you still realize, "Oh, I could be better," and you keep learning. And you know, I've learned. I now I've spent over twice as long as a black belt than when I was not a black belt. Yeah, and I, you know, so obviously I've learned way more. In the time where I've worn a black belt, which is, so to speak, the end, right? I've learned way more as a black belt than what I did before I was a black belt. And so that's the other element to what you're saying is not only am I around people that challenge me, but they're also challenging themselves still. They're still learning and they're still getting better. And as they're still getting better, now they have more to share back to me and I'm still getting better. I have more to share back to them. That's like my team. You know, they're all teachers and students with each other. And like Shanji, he was doing Muay Thai with my MMA and Muay Thai coach, Mauricio. And he was learning wrestling from my wrestling coach. And my wrestling coach is learning the Muay Thai. And my wrestling coach is learning the Jiu Jitsu. And Mauricio is learning Jiu Jitsu from Shanji. Like we're all learning from each other. And so we were growing exponentially. It wasn't just me. They were also learning and getting better.
0: Yeah, that uh, op- open source of information. Yes. Like you, yes. Want, you, like you don't have any, I think that even the concept of having an enemy is is almost like cute in a way. Because if you actually just believe that the enemy is enemy, full stop, period, like they are my enemy. That's just the, that's the story. That enemy is the person or the thing or whatever idea that's causing you to get up out of bed each morning and train. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like that your enemy is essentially like your your best working ally yeah. for your own growth yeah. and development in a way mm-hmm. and, and
1: really it, your enemy is yourself if it's you your, have if it's you your have ego enemy, it's yeah. your the the point at which you want to say okay i'm good enough you know that's a problem <laughs> yeah and and the beautiful thing about martial arts is you're constantly reminded that you're never good enough <laughs> yeah. like there's always something new there's always the young guys coming up with you know new information and, and especially now, I mean, the evolution of martial arts and combat is happening at a, an insane rate. Yeah. But in the end, it's just life. Like you got to keep reading. You got to keep surrounding yourself with people that you can learn from and keep being around inspiration. Keep challenging yourself. And yeah, just keep learning, just yeah. being a student. If, if you can just be a white belt in any place that you are and be open to learning from somebody,
0: Yeah. you know, your your potential is endless. I think it's interesting as well, and what, I want to get into the the yeshiva stuff because I think I think it would be cool. But the idea of playing an, an infinite game compared to a, a finite game—I don't know if you're familiar with that like concept or the book—but those who play infinite games are essentially like rooting for their opponents in a sense, you know, because if you—if I just smash you, you just smash me over and over and over again. Eventually, the person that's been smashed will stop playing. Mm. And you see this happen with with rats and various different critters in nature. If there's a much bigger rat wrestling with a much smaller rat, then the bigger rat will let the smaller rat win. I believe it's about 30% of the time. Mm. And that's so that the smaller rat keeps on playing, and keeps on going. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think it's just such an interesting thing. Just the like the stories and concepts that we have around, you know, allies, enemies. Yeah. You know, there's like uh the last thing I'll say about that is that the, a bit from Alan Watts talking about the different personas or masks that we wear, mm-hmm. and the original meaning of persona was the little conical masks they we wear in in Greek theater, and it was a mask that would project the sound of the character that you're, you know, portraying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so at the end, all the people, the villain and the protagonist and all the people, they they all take the masks off and they go back and they hang out like, hey man, what a good show.
1: Yeah, yeah. You That's know, so cool. their persona comes
0: down. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, and it's like, oh, okay, like, you know, who are we really in this, in this theater? Right. Interesting. Yeah. Should we hit the yeshiva stuff? Are you open to it? Yeah. All right. So this is old legendary martial artists to present day legendary martial artists. Some little quotes that I found out of the book Art of Peace that I found to be interesting. Let's see here. To injure an opponent is to injure oneself. To control aggression without inflicting injury is the art of peace. The art of peace is non-resistance. Because there is no resistance, it is victorious from the beginning.
1: Sounds a lot like jujitsu to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because <laughs> jujitsu, you know, I just wanna make you tap. I'm not there to injure you. Uh, your own ego might, ma- might lead you to get injured. Um, you know, if you resist too long and there's a pop or you go to sleep or whatever, I mean, going to sleep doesn't really hurt, but.
0: It's actually kind of gratifying. It's like soothing in a way. Not maybe yeah. not gratifying or soothing, but it went as it happens, it's not like a it's, yeah. You just
1: take a nap. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was always my goal. Uh, was just to take the person down and end the fight without having to hit them too much, just enough to make them give me a submission. But I think at the same time, you have to understand that that might not happen. And you might have to do some real damage to the person um, to, to take a little bit more of that fight out of them, you know, whether you have to ground and pound a little longer or spend a little more time on the feet and rock them a bit or gain their respect with your stand up. You know, I'm, I'm speaking in the terms of a, of a grappler, someone that wants to ground fight. And of course, obviously, everybody else wants to keep the fight on the feet. And when you're fighting on the feet, you're hitting to knock somebody out. You know, that's more or less the goal. Um, score points, land, and eventually put them away. The the checkmate in striking is a knockout, which is way more violent. And I never had that, that intention. I just wanted to hit someone enough to take them down and put them into a, a more gentle ending. But as much as you might not want to injure somebody if I can't take you down I'm gonna to have to grow into that person that wants to really do damage on the feet and so that was uh that was an interesting thing for me to play with was where I would never hit anyone with the, you know I've never hit anyone so hard even to today I'd never knocked anyone out with a punch I did I did TKO someone with a kick and some knees but Finding like that knockout punch, that intention to really hit somebody, to hurt them was something I had to do because yeah. before that it was more just, I just want, I want to tag you and then take you down. So, but yeah, there's two sides to that coin. <laughs> I yeah. feel.
0: And there was, a, there was somebody I was listening to, I don't know who it was, but they were doing like some post fight interview. The fighter was, he said something like um, when we're fighting and I'm, you know, punching somebody or kicking somebody. He said, "Like I'm, 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 I'm beating the weakness out of them." <laughs> it's like, "I'm like, no, I'm your friend. Like I'm your buddy. Mm-hmm. You know, so if I'm, I just connected with you in your in your face or your shin or you know whatever it may be or the submission or whatever it may be. You had a weak spot. Mm-hmm. I've exposed it, mm-hmm. and now you can now repair and learn yeah. from it. Yeah. So it's kind of an interesting, interesting." perspective on that like as I'm you know we're just like smashing each other we're also in a way like instructing each other on how to become better
1: yeah yeah I definitely feel that in training in a fight of course you want to win there's a lot more of a goal of winning mm-hmm. and some people will approach training with that same mentality that there is a winner and a loser in training in practice but that will hold you back big time because then you you don't want to explore. You don't want to try different things. You don't want to take risks and develop new, new weapons, new tools. And then you're also going to be very emotional about any time where you make a mistake and someone catches you in training. But the, the, the thing is, training is just about collecting data and understanding your flaws, your weaknesses, where you could be better. And it's basically all experimentation. It's, it's a lab. For the most part, there are days where you need to train with more of the mindset of winning, so to speak, and try to perform your A game and be perfect. Um, But way more often than not, I mean, 80% of the time, it should be more experimental and data collecting and building, you know, and then as you get closer to an event then you okay now it's more about performing and executing flawlessly but you can't you can't be emotional about making a mistake in training it's like okay cool how do i not do that again how do i get better and you need to be willing to ask you know hey what did you do what did you feel like what my mistake was and learn from from that moment and from that person everyone is teaching you
0: also want to take a moment and talk about a nootropic supplement that has absolutely been knocking my socks off. It is referred to as qualia mind. What I like about this stuff is you take it five out of seven days a week. Um, I understand the ingredients in the bottle. That's a big thing for me. I actually look through it's like, cool. It, it almost is like I'm eating food in, in pill form. And it feels as though it's it's I would describe it as like fertilizer for your brain. So it's not something that you take that has diminishing returns or something that you take for like a blowout cognitive experience. And then suddenly you have a fallout experience where you're like dead for two days or it messes up your sleep. It literally makes your brain work better as you use it pretty cool. I really enjoy it. So you can go over to neurohacker.com forward slash qualia dash mind and use Aaron at checkout for 15% off. Neurohacker is spelled N-E-U-R-O-H-A-C-K-E-R.com forward slash qualia mind. Use Aaron at checkout. Get yourself 15% off. If you love this product, get your money back i am very confident you guys are going to dig it so jump over to neurohacker.com forward slash qualia dash mind aaron to check out 15 percent off. The power we hit another yeshiba reference quote maybe so all right so he has, has a differentiation in the art of peace book between material and spiritual martial art so this says material versus spiritual martial art material is dualistic and is based on tension due to opposition between two opposing forces spiritual martial art has no enemy it sees the unicity and it goes on to it beyond that but i think that that's an interesting idea you know the idea of like it, it kind of comes back to the same thing like infinite games finite games like mm-hmm. i have my opponent i want to kill that opponent you know there's this separation me here them there that's one great story great narrative very important tool and then there's the other side of acknowledging that, you know, the spiritual martial art has no enemy, it sees the unicity. Do mm-hmm. you think that there's value in having that perspective in something like cage fighting or not really?
1: I think I think <laughs> it should go both ways. I mean, I think you should play a little bit with everything, right? Like, you know, it's it's good like it's kind of like training for competition versus training to train, you know? I I I think that's how I would reference that quote or, or kind of identify with that, meaning when you're training for a competition, you're training for an opponent, you're very specific on their game and what you wanna do according to them and how you're gonna play that match right, or that fight. And inside of that, you might you might lose the opportunity to learn a lot of other things because you're focused on that one person, that one event, that one match, whatever the case may be. And then when that's over, then you have the opportunity to train more for fun, for the pure learning side of it. And that opens up your ability to gain more tools and weapons and play with more things that you wouldn't do when it's just about winning this one thing with this one person. And that's a big difference between martial artists and fighters. Fighters tend to only really train when they have a fight booked. You you, you would hear stories about that, like of guys getting out of shape when they're not in camp, not really training that much, not not staying consistent in the in the gym or the academy or whatever, and then they they wait until there's a fight booked and now they're back in there and then they're okay, now I got to get in shape, I got to get ready for this fight and then they're training for one date, one person and that's it. That's their motivation. When you're a martial artist, you're motivated to just learn and get better every day. And so you you show up and you train. learn and get better and be around people that can push you and challenge you and have some some knowledge to give to you you want to be around that every day as much as possible to absorb and get better and then when the fight comes okay great now we'll hone in and and prepare for a specific person but you've already built yourself up in a way to where maybe you're going to have some new tools for this opponent than your last opponent because you've been steady getting better the whole time that's why so a couple days ago i was on the mats was it yesterday? Yeah, it was yesterday. Yes, sorry. I've been nonstop since I've been down here. But yesterday I got to be on the mats with George St. Pierre for the first time. And uh, this is a true martial artist and one of the greatest martial artists ever in existence, in my opinion, He's so far ahead of his time. and uh, And that is greatly because of his approach as a martial artist. You know, he went in and he was learning from the best other great martial artists consistently all the time whether he was in camp or not in camp even to today he's on the mats training with some of the world's best grapplers and he's not fighting anymore he's just there to learn and get better because he loves it because he loves the martial arts and then you talk about how he took that same approach and went into movement and you know the gymnastics training that he did and the way that he's made his body into something that where there is no limits You know, he, he can perform any technique because his body is coordinated and able and agile and the mind body connection is on this other level. Who else was doing the gymnastics and movement mobility before George, you know, nobody. And then you later, years later, now you see more fighters wanting to get into the, the primal flow, you know, the animal stuff and, and movement and things like that. But George was doing that long time ago once again being a white belt being a student how can i be a better mover how, i need to find someone else to learn from you know he's searching for all these people to learn from yep. and i think that's that's what gives you that infinite success is you're you're going to be a forever student you want to be learning and developing and getting better no matter what and then whatever challenge comes your way you're you're basically already prepared you know, yep. uh, you're you're always ready, and that's how I feel with my body and and where I'm at in this moment in my career. Of course, I still have some competition goals. You know, those those finite goals, those those moments where I want to challenge myself and and try to win something. But at the end of the day. You know, when you're, in your, when, like, when you're in your 20s, you just want to win. You just want to be the best, right? You just want to make your mark, make your history, whatever. And that's who I was. Now I'm in this stage where I just want to be as good as I can be for as long as possible. You know, I want to be able to train at a high level when I'm in my 50s. When I'm getting into my 60s, I want to be able to keep moving and do what I love um at, at the highest level possible meaning okay I'm not going to be able to go a hard 10 15 minute round or whatever with a 20 year old when I'm in my 50s but hopefully I can still give them a good whatever stretch of time that is a good five minutes a good 10 minutes you know whatever the case may be and be able to keep doing what I love feel what the new level is I don't want to I don't want to get rusty so to speak i don't want to you know stiffen up and not be able to move and not get on the mats not do what i love not keep playing not keep developing you know my dad he's he's 64 and he's still training you know and then i see guys like cameron shane who's in his who's 50 now he's in his 50s and uh i see the way he moves and i'm like man if i can move like that when i'm 50 i'm still going to be doing pretty good like i'm still going to be giving the 20 year olds a hard time
0: or if i can move like that when i'm 20.
1: Yeah, that's, I mean, really—that's
0: the lens to come through. Like, I don't agree with the concept that we get old and stiff yeah. and rigid and just start to get shitty, and mm-hmm. then eventually we get diseases and die. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, a broken narrative that needs to be changed. Yeah, it doesn't need to be changed, but it would be reasonable. It's available to be changed for each individual if they, mm-hmm. if they so choose it, especially nowadays. And it's—we have so much fucking low-hanging fruit that's just dangling all around and it is just, we don't have the education or the environmental conditions or the, like the, yeah, I think it's just, it just comes back to the education. Like you need to be able to see the fruit. Mm -hmm. And I think that the, you like the way that you're describing, that's literally the whole function of writing the the book that I did was to change the lens of clients, people, you know, myself, whatever, to realize that every moment throughout the day you are continually under a state of construction you are always training mm-hmm. if you have the belief that you go train and then the rest of it you just kind of you know like whatever mm-hmm. you know just turn to eat doritos and hunch over mm-hmm. and all that then you're always going to have this back and forth two steps forward two steps back two mm-hmm. steps forward two steps mm-hmm. back but a person that i think would be like I true like truly identify as a a living breathing martial artist you'd probably start to pay attention to details Mm -hmm. it's just paying attention to the details and the person i think that's able to gather more information from seemingly superfluous like just meaningless details that person's probably gonna win Mm -hmm. is that does that last part make sense is that like totally
1: for sure yeah you got to keep moving (laughs) yeah and your mentality you still have a gift no matter what stage you're in you have your body whatever condition it is at any point in time
0: whatever you can do with yeah it. whatever you can do like you do. like you as a you know like I don't know do you consider yourself like a master of of anything
1: no I, I like to say forever student I'm a really really good student I think I'm one of the better best students out there in the martial arts world hundred percent yeah I've been able to you know, just get around these martial artists and, and be so open to learn from them. And I, I, the way that I present myself, you know, I feel like I'm easily likable to a degree. And I think that's part of, of being timeless. That's something that I talk about, um, in the jujitsu world, timeless jujitsu, being able to make good relationships with people easily is going to open you up to being able to learn easier, right? If you are someone that I would like to learn from, but I, I'm an asshole. You know, or I just give off bad vibes. Yep. You might not want to be around me, and I'm going to miss my opportunity to learn from you. But if you're basically a good person and you're respectful to people who deserve respect, which a lot of my opponents that I've fought over the years. I've also shared training mats with, and we've trained together um, because they're good guys, and they think I'm a good guy, and we like each other. We respect each other, and we can get on the mats and train together. And uh, that happened yesterday with George. You know, I've talked with him, but we've never trained together. I've met him before, and uh, you know, we he follows me, he sees what I do, and whatever. And it was easy to have a conversation with him, to get on the mats with him, to train, to ask him stuff, to talk to him, and I learned from him. I was inspired by him, and. uh, and i think that's a big part of it is just you know your the way you carry yourself will open up more doors but i'm just a really great student and i've been able to carry myself in a way where i have opportunities I'm not shy to be in a certain city where there's somebody that I would like to learn from, and send them a message, or talk to them, or make a relationship, and say, "Hey, you know, do, what's your what's your rate for a private lesson, or whatever? Or is there something you would like to learn from me? Can we can we teach each other? Let's do yeah, it. Collaborate. Yeah, let's collaborate. And wherever I met, whether it's a great wrestler, a great judo guy, a great striker, a great jujitsu guy, wh- whoever in the martial arts world, or maybe they're a great mover." Or, you know, this morning I was moving around with Francesca, picking up some stuff from her, like whatever the case may be, I'll get, I'll work with Savage, I'll work with Primal, just work me out, just let's do something, let's move, let's, and maybe I learned something. And, uh, and I think that's, you know, that's been my hidden asset or, or secret or whatever yeah, it's huge. is I've just like socially been jiu-jitsu. a really, really great student with a lot of people and, and then I got to bring them together for mma and stuff like that and you know i i think anyone that you say is a master or whatever like if you they probably wouldn't want you to say that about them but right. you could look at them and say or they could say look i was just a really great student i just learned i just kept learning and it got me to that point
0: yeah yeah the the the, the quote the the ushibath one of the ones that I wanted to to mention on here was essentially what we're already talking about, and it's it says I do not need a dojo to teach Aikido. I can teach under a tree, on a rock, and happy to discuss it at any time. Yeah, that's the yeah, shit. that's me. That's, yeah, that's the shit.
1: I love it. I, I I can get into you know like a conversation right right now. I mean, this didn't even need to be happening. We don't need. I mean, we were doing it on the floor in the other room in the yeah. gym. You know, just talking and just like when you really love what you do. Man, I mean I can talk about it for hours and hours and just and, uh, and be and be about it. Yeah, like, a, I, think yeah. That's, that's, mm-hmm. I think
0: that's that's I think that's that's the difference between like the to use the same like analogy you use it uses like a, a martial artist and a fighter and it doesn't you don't need to actually be training mm-hmm. some type of martial art for this um, conversation to relate. Mm-hmm. It's like just being about it versus talking about it. I think mm-hmm. is another way to come back to it. Mm-hmm. But a per, like a true martial artist from what I'm gathering from you or, you know, like Yoshiba would be someone who is infusing those principles into who they are as a person. Mm-hmm. It spills into a conversation, it spills into a relationship, yeah. it spills into business, it spills into, you know, and then also and then suddenly, oh, here we are mm-hmm. in a Kamora position mm-hmm. or, or a leg lock yeah. or something. It's like, ah.
1: Yeah, my end goal is definitely to get people to practice, you know. Um, we, we started this whole thing off with you asking me about what my book would would entail and of course i would share my my experience you know a bit of my life and and the lessons that i learned and how i think you could apply to anything in life to be successful i definitely think that there are cer- certain things that you have to go through in your journey that's a process to getting to where you know your your goal or your dream would would be yours and and i want to share all that and hopefully help people inspire people and then at the end of it also just share my love of martial arts and how it helped me help me learn these things and hopefully bring more people into martial arts, uh, particularly jiu-jitsu. Because everyone can practice, doesn't matter your age, your size, your athletic ability, there's no bad time to start jiu-jitsu. There's no bad time. And with m- my passion about it and the way that I talk about it and everything that it's done for me, I, I hope... You know, the reason why I'm open to doing podcasts that aren't jujitsu jitsu related, like this isn't, we're talking a lot about martial arts, but you don't have a jiu-jitsu podcast, right? Mm-hmm. My, but my hope is that by going outside and talking with you and, and anybody, that maybe I get some more people to walk into some doors of a jiu-jitsu academy yeah. and and start that journey and help help them with their physical and mental health through jujitsu through learning martial arts, and also give them a community as well and give that that gift so to speak maybe they're not in my school but if i if i'm able to inspire someone to walk through the doors of another school then i think i did i did a good thing
0: i so greatly appreciate getting to spend the, the last afternoon with you man yeah it was awesome Thank you for it worked out yeah people tuning into this there'll be youtube videos and stuff on instagram all that stuff so you can see and next time we're going to put you in your gi and we're going to get on the mats dude i've, I've got a too. gi i've got a gi of at my at my place there's a blue belt that we'll probably have to change to i'll have to wash it like a thousand times to make it whiter no i think they- <laughs> no. no don't worry about that it's okay it's okay as long as
1: you never stop man that's the point just yeah. just get back in practice a little bit and you know you have one of the best teachers humans jiu-jitsu artists of all time right here who's ready for you uh with shanji yeah and uh and of course you're always welcome to visit me and when i'm in town for me it's You know, Shange the same way. Like when we have a conversation, whatever, we have great conversation, but then we're also, especially someone that practices jujitsu, we want to roll with that person. We want to give you a little bit of our technique and and stuff like that. And then also it makes us closer, right? Like it's different. The, The bond automatically hits another level after you've rolled with someone and you feel
0: Yep, their, I agree with that.
1: Their game and and everything. And and so I love to do that for people. I even was able to to uh get Francesca to come over to my MMA seminar today after we moved around a little bit. It's like, come on, come on over, don't worry. And got her moving around, you know. Oh. And it's like we're just yeah, I love to well, share the passion.
0: That's what dogs do, that's what monkeys do. That's what so many and we're just like glorified apes, you know. <laughs> yep. we're like ninety nine point six percent bonobo from a right. genetic perspective, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, and and so to have an, I think, an excuse to be more yourself, I think ultimately would yeah. be would be training jujitsu. Exactly,
1: man. Get your monkey on. <laughs> get, your, get your monkey on. Yeah, let's move. Let's freaking. And then the wrestle. other, the other, the <laughs>
0: other thing in there is that, that that another thing that that people you know ad nauseum have heard me banging my drum about is the value of spending time on the ground. Mm-hmm. You know, like hashtag floor culture. Like we need to be on the ground if we give a shit about the the, the structure and function. Of our hips and our knees Mm -hmm. and our ankles Mm -hmm. you know hip and knee replacements are a 20 billion dollar a year industry osteoarthritis is like in 2003 or something it was like a 16.8 billion dollar industry i don't know what it is now there's just so much this is what i'm saying with like the the low-hanging fruit and one of the one of those big fat juicy apples that are there is just get down on the ground and Mm -hmm. one of the practices that bring you on the ground with regularity is jujitsu yeah your whole training is is exactly. is you're on the ground. Exactly. You know, and to be comfortable in that place, it that sets you up for um, physical sovereignty, autonomy, mm-hmm. you know, flexibility, strength, adaptability for the rest of your life. It's a huge deal. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it's awesome. Thank you for doing this, Thank man. You man, thanks uh, for having me. I where should people so more.
0: people can come to your school? People can do you've you got uh, yeah. The, like, what's the best direction for people? To so go?
1: I live in Oklahoma City. Obviously, if you. If you just Google Lovato, you know Jiu Jitsu, BJJ, whatever, MMA, you can find. But our this, my school's website is okbjj.com, dot um, so they can find me there. And my Instagram is Lovato L O V A T O, just like Demi, Demi Lovato. Uh, J R BJJ, so Lovato Junior BJJ. Um, and uh on there i have a, a link tree in my bio with a bunch of other stuff people can find um you know videos of me teaching documentary videos and just links to other websites my school and everything else so yeah instagram facebook i'm on all of it and yeah i love to teach i travel all over and teach all over the world teach jiu-jitsu today i, t- I taught mma and so if they follow me on my instagram very likely if they're in somewhat of a major city i'm probably going to be near them at some point in time so yeah, I love to uh, to come across and make new friends and new students and
0: oh. yeah. I make, made I made one today. We did it. <laughs> it's the 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 birthing. That's um, right. Um thank you so much, man. Thank I greatly you. I greatly appreciate you. Thank you all for tuning in. That's it. That's all. Over and out. Doug, that conversation, per mention before this interview or conversation, we recorded a really amazing workout flow, kind of like a pre-workout flow, but you can also treat it as a workout. And it's over at the Align Podcast YouTube page. I'd highly recommend utilizing the lessons that Lovato brought to us on the Align Podcast YouTube page for any time before you work out. It's a great thing to do before you go to bed, when you wake up. Uh, it's a perfect way to start to open up space around the hips, the knees, the ankles, and also bringing new, fresh Vital fluid to those sweet, sultry intervertebral discs of yours in your spine. Thanks for reviews. Thanks for sharing this. If this you found this supportive, we also did a Instagram post, a reel where we break down a particular little like I don't know how to call it, it's like a breakdance move almost. So jump over to the Instagram page, uh, Adeline Podcast, and also over at Rafael Lovato Jr. Okay, I appreciate y'all very much, and I'll see y'all next week. Bye.